Hey guys, I just want to tell you a little bit about our Podcasts app which is now live on the App Store. It's the world's first audio-driven app for experiencing medicine. Every week you can step into the shoes of doctors with an engaging case and quiz. Download now and have a look for yourself. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we're joined by another amazing guest. Today we have with us Neely, who is a qualified physician associate who you may all have seen on Instagram, on her Instagram page, a physician associate. She is super helpful and has kind of helped so many people, even personal friends of mine, get into um, the physician associate course um, as she's a proper interviews coach. Um, It's a massive pleasure for us, Neely. Thank you for coming on to the show. I know you've just finished work and had to rush home. Um, So how are you? Thank you. Thank you. Hi, guys. I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? We are good. good. Even more happy we managed to schedule this in because I know we've been doing back and forth and you went on holiday. We had like on-call rotors. But yeah, we're glad we're doing this. We made Um, it, finally. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yes, finally. (laughs) Tell us a bit about yourself and then we'll take it from there. Okay, so you introduced me pretty well. Um, I graduated last year from St. George's University of London. So I still consider myself to be a baby to the medical world. Um, I do help with interview skills, personal statements, um, and I'm working on a few extra projects to help the PA career and role be more known, raise more awareness. Um, Obviously I've done things with you guys in the past as well. So course yeah mm-hmm. lovely getting involved with different projects sounds good so tell us about your PA journey so how did it start is it something you kind of went through college secondary school or when did you kind of make that conscious decision and kind of what's that journey been like for you start from the very beginning tell us so we know and get a good insight okay so I studied pharmacology at university and once I graduated, I knew that I didn't want to work in a laboratory. It just wasn't a good match for my character. Um, I wanted to be quite face face on, you know, have communication with other people. So I actually ended up working in a investment bank in Mayfair Central London for about a year and a half. Um, and oh wait, wow! Yeah. You went from yeah, wow. pharmacology to banking. <laughs> to be honest, actually, loads of people with um, biochemistry, biomedicine, and pharmacology type degrees do go on to work in finance or office-based jobs. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah it's true. and yeah. it's actually a really liked background to have to work in those sorts of environments. So yeah, I ended up working there. I did things like business development. Um, I took yeah. part in finance aspects, accounting aspects, pretty much loads of corporate things. Mm. It was very money orientated and it wasn't, again, 100% Mm. suited to my character. So I actually ended up quitting that job um, and I Mm -hmm. did nothing for about three months, literally nothing. So to keep my parents happy Mm -hmm. and satisfied, as you guys would probably have experienced the pressures. Mm. I enrolled myself onto a jewellery manufacture and design um, diploma. And I actually ended up not being able to finish that because whilst I was doing that, I came face to face with a PA who was actually doing her placement in my own family practice. So where I go um, when I need to see the GP. And she encouraged me and she enlightened me and I only met her for about five ten minutes um 
But then when I went home yeah. and I read up about the PA role, it seemed something hmm. really, it was very new at the time. I hadn't ever met or heard of it before. And even now I'm sure, you know, major even healthcare professionals don't really know about it yet in mm. a lot of depth but mm. i ended up applying yeah. on the day of the deadline and um mm-hmm. yeah i just i got accepted and the rest is history really so it wasn't something that i wanted to go into or something that i even knew much about i a lot yeah. of people mm-hmm. always ask me um did you what how did you choose between medicine and the pa role and the truth is yeah. i i didn't choose because i never wanted yeah. to go into medicine anyway what what excited you so you clearly had a conversation with someone who painted an amazing picture of the mm. pa role and was a an ambassador for letting you know about the role and the course what was it that excited you and that attracted you to sort of go into that role so i think because i was a little bit lost on my path towards my career at the time and I know I was pursuing a hobby more so than a career with doing the jewellery um but because she was similar demographics to me she was about the same age from the same area she went to Hertfordshire which is where I did my undergraduate as well she did the same undergraduate Mm -hmm. degree as me and she was just really positive about yeah so it was really honestly and I never saw her again uh, which was really bizarre because I think She was only a year above me in St. George's, so... Um, it was you from the future. I <laughs> know. You, you met yourself <laughs> from the future. <laughs> That's Honestly. what it was. It's like whenever you're doing a course, you're such an ambassador and you never know who you come into contact with and you never know who you're speaking to and that conversation may be the spark for them to do something, exactly. which was the case in this. Yeah. And that's why I think what you're doing is great because, like you mentioned, a physician's associate, PA is new. Um, it is starting to become a bit more mainstream and a lot of people are a bit oblivious or naive to what it actually entails. Um, I always see the PAs kind of ranting. Um, how do you deal with the questions of people kind of assuming, all right, um, PAs are people that wanted to do medicine but they didn't get in, so now they're doing you know, a different degree with some degree of patient contact? Because I find it a bit disheartening when I see people kind of make those comments and whatnot. How do you kind of deal with that? Or is that something you have experienced from the community at large? Um, To be honest, in all honesty, it doesn't really bother me too much Mm. because I never wanted to go into medicine. So it actually makes me Mm. laugh a little bit. But (laughs) yeah, it's (laughs) funny uh, because they're two completely different careers, um, pathways at at least. Um, But Mm. I I think this all stems from people misusing the PA profession. So there are a lot of Ah. people who maybe didn't get in or dropped out of medicine um, due to the demands or the educational needs and whatnot. Um, And then they've Mm. gone on to the PA path. And I think maybe that's why people tend to ask, oh, so why did you choose PA over medicine? Um, Yeah. But also answering the other side of it is that I have come across healthcare professionals who um, they're a bit confused because ultimately, if we strip everything down, let's be honest, Mm. going and studying medicine where you have clear set boundaries of your career progression and obviously you guys have a lot more flexibility in terms of 
your pay, um, the skills you can do. Mm. I mean, you guys can do surgery, obviously. We can't. There are so many bits and bobs that are limiting PAs to be able to really flourish. Um, I can understand yeah. why people such as doctors who are, you know, very experienced and have reached a high place in their career would sort of contemplate and question why would you you know you're such a bright individual you have the ability and the capability of studying medicine you know you've got the knowledge why didn't you study medicine so i think it's more of a compliment mm, rather yeah. than um something to be taken as a negative how was the the university experience for you as um, a pa student because you studied pharmacology kind of left higher education, went into banking, then kind of had the Julio diploma. How was it for you to go back into education? Was it something that, you know, it was a duck to water? Did you have any difficulties throughout the PA course um, in itself? So essentially when I left university, I told myself I would never go back to education again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then, like you know, yeah. life I can't happens. bear to revise it again. Um, we yeah. all lied to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we do really. Um, I think the PA going back into education was really, really, really hard. Mm. I did do certain yeah. diplomas and certificates whilst I was doing the investment banking as well, but which they were really intense as mm. well, like corporate law and loads of other different businessy things. But there was nothing in my life that would have ever mm. been in comparison to the PA masters that I did uh, purely because we covered breadth and depth of medicine pretty much yeah. in one year because our second year was all placement. I was so I think it's more about the mm. intensity and of covering the content rather than the mm. difficulty. But yeah, it was really, really, I don't think I've mm. ever been so stressed out in my life. Fair credit. Cause when I went, cause when I was an F1 on endocrine, I had a PA and she was amazing. As in like, she kind of taught me what to do, what the things were. And, for me to realize that she kind of became a PA, knew all the clinical stuff, all the procedures and skills in two years was astounding. Considering yeah. us medics, I don't know, we're a bit slow, I guess. It takes us a good five, six years <laughs> to get to that level. Um, mm. How did you feel post-graduation? Did you feel that you are ready to take on the world of work, take on being a fully qualified PA with clinical responsibilities and duties? So I won't lie, we know we'll, we'll be honest here. There's still time in every mm. single consultation that I have with my patients where I think, am I good enough or do I know enough or is what I recommended mm. is the way I manage the patient, you know, the best of the, mm. am I doing the patient justice basically by, you know, seeing them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that in working in medicine or healthcare, whatever your profession is, I think that never really goes away. Um, because obviously it's ever changing yeah. and it's ever developing and guidelines are always changing mm. and updating. But yeah. like I said at the beginning, I'm still a baby to this. So I do still make yeah. much use of my supervisor. I do ask a million and one questions just because, you know, why not? Yeah. And it's better to be safe as a clinician, isn't it? So. Um, in terms of the PA role, just for our listeners, so they, get, they can get an idea of the various different roles. Um, I've only come across my, myself personally, a cardiology PA and an A&E PA. But tell us the various roles that a PA can occupy and what a day-to-day -day 
can range from? So I know that you're in a GP practice, but what, what are other PAs and your colleagues currently doing? So I have, like you mentioned, there's cardiology, A&E, there's acute medical unit, which is a branch pretty much of, of after A&E, let's say. Um, gastroenterology, neurology, neurosurgery, pediatrics. There are rotational posts where you'll do kind of like what an F1 or an F2 does. Um, there's yeah. endocrinology, which you mentioned you, you saw one there. Um, yeah. Pretty much anything and everything. Psychiatry, um, obs and gyne. Literally, PAs can work anywhere and everywhere. Um, if there's a post opening somewhere, then a PA can go and yeah. work there. And, and what's the job sort of specifications? Are you expected to perform at the same level as, say, one of the juniors there, so as an F1, F2, or, or, or is it slightly different? What's the expectation from the team on a, on a physicist and associate? So I have a friend, actually, who works in neurology, and he teaches registrars how to do lumbar punctures, and he actually oh. signs off their competencies. <laughs> oh, wow. That's- yeah so, i'm telling you pas are yeah. solid like my pa right i wish she, she listens to her like she helped me out obviously i'm an f1 so i was like a baby baby but they're solid bro like they know what they're doing they've done it like like f1 you're there for like three months but some pas have been there for a year they know the system they know the patients they know how the department run yeah and sometimes like i'm not surprised to hear pas kind of teaching regis um and it's, it's amazing because they have like a proper amazing skill set. I just feel like sometimes medics feel um, they don't really understand how valuable PA is mm-hmm. and they kind of kind of dismiss them at times. And I don't know if you've experienced that where there seems to be like a click mentality where the doctors will do their own thing and the PAs will do their own thing. But um, have you nearly have you experienced anything like um, that? I think during placement as a student, I did. But I think any student mm-hmm. sort of gets treated like that in some way, shape or form throughout their experience. But as a qualified PA, uh, it would be very weird to work somewhere if your colleagues treated you that way. I probably wouldn't work in an environment like that. Um, but again, I think it's just yeah. down to ignorance and not in a negative way, just Definitely. that we just, it's so unheard of, even my parents, Sometimes they, even now, they still ask me, what do you do? How do we explain it to, like, our family abroad? Or So, uh, yeah. I don't blame them, you know. It is what it is. It's new. We got ourselves into it. So, we, it's our job to kind of not so much prove ourselves, but showcase our skill set and, you know, be a Definitely. valuable part of the team. I think that's what it is when anything is new, isn't it? So, you guys are pretty much the... The, the guys who have come through are now going to showcase mm. what you guys can do for the healthcare system and everything. And then I think in the upcoming years, some of the barriers will be broken down. And some of the restrictions will even start to fade away a little bit. And we'll see a little bit more license and room for physician associates to do even more. Um, so I can see, I can sort of foresee that coming where physician associates occupy more significant roles take and sort of expanding mm their skill assets even further so you've transitioned from investment banking into the healthcare world what's been a high and low moment what's been one of your sort of <laughs> highest moments where you felt you know what this is this is why I became what I what I've become today 
and what's been like a oh damn this do you know what I want to go back to banking <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's so, so is the glass inside? really green Anneli tell okay, us we're okay. all dying to know oh gosh okay so <laughs> let's start with the negative of healthcare we don't have well where I am in a GP obviously I can't speak for secondary care I miss the social yeah. life of banking, um, working in that sort mm. of a fast paced environment where, you know, you're in an office with, you know, X amount of people, you all go out for lunch, you have that social work life balance, you know, casual Fridays, mm. I don't know, ordering in food every day for lunch, going out with clients that mm. I do miss that I won't lie to you, um, alongside obviously the money. Um, Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, but the highs of what I'm doing now is that I actually leave work every single day, really, really satisfied with myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there are times where I'm just sort of in awe of what I do as a mm. profession. I think it's just really cool yeah. to be able to, I don't know, have a 10, 15 minute appointment with someone and be able to help them in that short space of time, especially now when it's all more majority all over the internet or on the phone. So it's just, it's pretty amazing, mm-hmm. huh? It's always cool to kind of talk about finance and, and the city life, but when it comes down to it, it is satisfying the work we do in terms of like a healthcare environment and practice. And just going back onto the, the previous question, Neely, um, for people that are interested in the role, um, how does your average week look like? So at the moment, because I'm doing my induction week, I'll speak about what an average week mm. uh, day looked like before. Um, so I would start yeah. clinics at around nine o'clock in the morning, sometimes eight, and then it would go on mm. for either 10 minute appointments, telephone triaging, or 15 minute appointments if I was doing e-consult or um, other maybe more complex telephone triaging cases. And then it will go all the way up to about 12.30. And then I would have about 15 minutes to debrief with a doctor if I needed to. And then I would do about an hour to an hour and a half of going through DocMan, which is refer um, hospital letters, just discharge summaries, all of that good stuff. Um, and lab reports. Mm-hmm. So just checking everyone's blood test mm-hmm. results, things like that. And then I'd have lunch. If I had time, I'd just, yeah, I would just eat lunch in my room, to be honest, which is what I don't like about GP. But um, then I'd resume clinics at around two o'clock and then the same stuff till five. Mm. So my the patients I'd see, they'd either be acute same-day appointments, long-term condition yeah. reviews, or sort of follow-up appointments that have been pre-booked. You have, I imagine, a certain degree of autonomy. You can do consultations by yourself. You don't need to be supervised. You can kind of decide how you want to manage patients. And like you mentioned, there is that element of support should you need it. Yeah, exactly. So I think wherever I start working, the first week or two, I do tend to get a lot more support than I need to just because I've noticed different Mm. doctors work very differently to each other. So it's about yeah. working in a way mm. where your supervisor is confident in your, even your note taking. I amend it to mm. sort of satisfy the person I'm working with. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, my management is it, pretty autonomous. Maybe if I do a prescription like today, I gave someone benzoyl peroxide, mm. let's say, for acne, and my supervisor said, actually, no, let's change it to erythromycin and whatever. Mm. So there are little things mm. that I do probably get more help with um, or more less autonomy mm -hmm. with. Um, but it's not to say that mm. because what I'm doing is wrong. It's just the style of the way the trust works or the doctor works. Yeah. Yeah, fair mm -hmm. enough. Agreed. That makes sense. Um, so clearly you love your job. And I feel like it probably was kind of the right career decision, kind of having exposed yourself to other um, facets of the working world. Um, I want to touch on social media. So obviously you have, I think, one of the most popular um, Instagram pages for PAs. Um, how did that all come about? Um, and it's kind of recently I've seen it. It's just kind of become viral. It's become the go-to place for people that want to insight. Um, what was your intention with the with the page, and how do you see it growing in the future? Well, that's actually really nice to hear. Um, I didn't know that, but thank you for enlightening me. Put a smile on my face. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I won't lie. I think my instagram was very lucky during lockdown um i think that's where i really mm -hmm. really really grew a lot of my audience mm. because obviously that's when everyone was you on their phones on, on instagram um i think that i do a lot of trial and error i started this page a long mm -hmm. time ago so maybe two and a half years ago um and i would just upload revision content purely for myself and then I uploaded a few photos of oh, myself yeah. here and there. And I think people like to know who's behind the account. So it is a lot of, of trial and error, seeing what people like and really engaging with mm. the people who are there. So I don't know. I'm To be honest, I'm learning myself every day. God knows. Social media can change overnight, guys. So I'm no expert. It, it, it literally can. <laughs> no, but I think what was good about yours was it's really engaging. I've learned like the revision notes are good. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I've personally benefited from those. <laughs> but it's you engage with the followers, you kind of give like the cool thing about you is you give like a a raw insight. So you don't kind of fluff, you don't kind of glorify something that isn't, you know, you say it as it is and you kind of give the greatest insight for someone that wants to pursue it, which is good. Um and it's quite nice to see it. I think a lot of people kind of use it for different agendas and they kind of glorify things that shouldn't be glorified or mm. they kind of put out an image that yeah. isn't perhaps the same of them. Yeah. Do you feel it had any negative effects with you or in terms of your clinical practice where now you are in the kind of public eye, there are a lot of people that know about you. Um, how do you feel about that, kind of exposing yourself to that degree on a social platform? Mm. I completely... Uh, well, it's difficult because I think starting this Instagram, mm. I didn't think it would become such a huge sort of thing for me in my life, because obviously I mm. do try to keep mm. up with it as much as, you know, I can. Yeah. And it does, like you said, it re I do sometimes sit back and think to myself before I post something, you know, if my colleagues or my yeah. patients came across this, how would they feel? Yeah. Um, am I coming across yeah. as a good clinician by posting what I am? Right. And my nature of my character is quite, like you mentioned earlier, I am quite 
I don't know. I don't beat around the bush. Uh, let's put it that way. So yeah. mm. it's just a, a mm. matter of always self-reflecting and thinking is what I said professional. And mm. I always think to myself, if my mm. supervisor or a patient saw what I saw and they witnessed my Instagram, how would they feel about it? Would they, you know, have any, mm. would they think of me any differently? Um, I think that yeah. social media is really important where it really does help yeah. spread awareness of many things and it does help to educate. Definitely. But yeah. I do think it should be, mm. especially if you're a clinician, um, it should be a place where you do maintain your professionalism and respect towards Definitely. the public, essentially, especially if your account is on public. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. I do feel social media can be used for good. Um, and it's one of those things where it allows a lot of information to be very easily accessible. Mm. So there are always people that are struggling or people that want to do PA. And I'm, I'm sure they're probably, you probably get thousands of messages kind of, you know, what's the insight? What is it like? Some advice, um, but it is good. And the fact that you mentioned kind of go through it as if a clinician or if a patient or supervisor were to see it, they would be like, okay, fine. Like mm. this is in line with good clinical practice. You know, this person ain't doing something that's, you know, exactly. considered immoral or something like that no that's definitely good um what advice would you give to people that they're not too sure if they want to do pa or if they should kind of go to a different route in terms of having done a science-based undergrad work in the city um what advice would you give to them because i kind of get a few messages every so often from people saying you know I want to pursue a PhD or I've just finished an undergrad in a science-based degree. Do you think PA is the course for me? Because I do love having patient contact, but I don't want to study medicine for the next five, six, seven mm -hmm. years. What advice can you give to those individuals? I think uh, people who say they don't want to study medicine, such as myself, mm. you have to know the reasons yeah. why you don't want to study medicine. So for me, I wasn't, yeah. Yeah. well, firstly, I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't achieve the grades I needed to, should I had even wanted to go into mm. medicine. So that's, that's the first barrier, mm. but that could have been overcome with an mm. undergraduate degree. So I could have done post-grad medicine if I wanted mm. to. So aside yeah. from that, finding out the other reasons why you don't want to pursue or you can't pursue medicine. Is it the length of the course? Mm. Is it the work-life balance? Is it the salary? Is it the, you have to find the core reason why you don't want to go into something um, and you have mm -hmm. to appreciate why you don't want to do it and then come up with why you do want to do something else. So for me, I always say, I get this question a lot mm. as well. And I always respond with, yeah. there, it's, it really is never too late to go back to education. Um, and yeah in the same token it's never too late to get the degree get the postgrad and then you know take a year mm. out and go and work in the city or go work in wherever it is that you want to work in and get the experience and then make up your mm. mind i think when we're young especially now where there's an undergraduate pa course yeah. as well when we're at the age yeah. of 18 i mean guys correct me if i'm wrong but not everyone knows what they want to do essentially for the rest of their life until mm. they retire it's really tough it's yeah, a tough decision agree. yeah so I think, yeah, how, we had that discussion yeah yeah i don't know how are you supposed to know until you experience it 
Yeah, as in, I feel it's, I don't know if it's the society we live in where it's really fast paced and it's all about kind of high achievers and in a very competitive nature. But at 18, I think it's too fragile of an age to kind of make decisions that kind of affect the rest of your life. Definitely. If someone was to tell me at 18, um, you know, go to med school, this is how your life is, it's very different. And I would have fought twice having done med school, having worked as a junior doctor and be like, okay, it is very different. Um, so I do feel it is a bit unfair to make such big decisions mm. at that age. And and I agree with you, Neely. It's fine to do an undergrad. It's fine to have an alternative route into healthcare or whatever degree you want. Um, and there's no rush. You don't need to do everything in quick succession. You can take time out. You can exactly. work in different spheres, different sectors, travel. Um, so it's good. And I'm glad you echoed that because um, it's always nice to hear it from other people um, who've kind of had that experience if there was anything you would have told yourself when you were young 18 19 what would you have said to yourself because i know we have quite a, a a large number of young females that do listen and they kind of look up to 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 individuals like yourself what would you say to a young neely at 18 i'd say go marry a rich man no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> no i'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, um what would that i laugh, say no. <laughs> um to be honest i would say don't put so much pressure on yourself like right now i'm 27 yeah. and i've only just started mm. a permanent job role for the first well not the first time in my life but in the career that i'm mm. on now you know i've just done mm. my first week of induction at a permanent job with yeah. you know i mean who cares when i was younger i think you look at the age of 30 and you think oh my god i should be married i should have children yeah. and that's the wrong <laughs> mentality because i think <laughs> For women, obviously, it's completely different. But, yeah. like, we're outgrowing those age boundaries now. And I think that your time is, it's not limitless. But at the same time, when it comes to your mm. career and your education, it is limitless. I mean, mm. is I don't know. I, I, I think I would tell myself to enjoy the degree I do. Maybe if I knew where I would have ended up, maybe mm. I wouldn't have studied pharmacology. Mm. Maybe I would have taken some time out to enjoy... Mm. Yeah. something I really wanted to do as a degree um, and yeah. I don't know maybe I would have ended up in a completely different field who knows I know it's interesting as in I feel a lot of people kind of end up picking degrees they don't necessarily mm. really have a passion for something they enjoy exactly and it's always like okay I need to do x y and z otherwise you know I'm not going to get a job I'm not going to get married exactly. I'm not going to have kids and I feel there are so many degrees out there and that's what I said to kind of my nephews and cousins that were applying for kind of um, university so i'm like looking stuff like geology and scuba diving exactly. and all these cool different stuff because there are people out there that do no, that why are we true. so stuck on yeah. computer science engineering and law why why are those pages the ones at hand you advised like, him, kind of... wait hold on you advised him on scuba diving no but come Let's on your mum know about this <laughs> no but do you know what i mean right exactly yeah and i i recommend for all our listeners that are applying to kind of university is get a prospectus of the university you want to go mm. to and legit spend time going through all the different courses don't mm. stick to all the cool ones that you know is perceived as like okay this is the course you need to do to show that you've made mm. it go check out all the other stuff because you might actually find something that kind of resonates with you and you're like do you know what i should like this and i'm happy to kind of do this mm. as a career yeah. and i don't like the the whole concept of society where you have all these high achieving students and it's like oh my god it's a waste of talent if you don't go and study law it's a waste yeah. of talent all if you don't go and study medicine yeah. so this innocent guy all of a sudden who doesn't want to do medicine who you know who probably wants to be a musician or something is being forced down to do yeah. you know 
a medical degree because he got straight yeah. A stars. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 100%. And it, it suffocates. And I feel at the end of it, you end up getting doctors. And we've met a few where like, they enjoy other stuff outside of medicine and it's clearly evident. Mm. And sometimes it does kind of translate into their work in clinical practice. So yeah, I'm a keen advocate 100%. for exploring your options 100%. despite being a medic i think yeah i don't think it's fair to kind of force those individuals down those no routes. not at um, all when it came to my brother going to uni definitely. i just told my parents hmm. you guys have no comment let him do whatever he wants to do and <laughs> now he's doing that's fine i don't even know what he oh he's doing economics and philosophy which is really weird but, but but he chose that right without yeah, any any parental that. no nothing and and he's happy what advice would you give to um, PA students that may be going through the course, having a meltdown, struggling, thinking, do you know what? I want to quit tomorrow. Is it really worth it? What sources of encouragement or advice can you give to those individuals having gone through a relentless program yourself? Um, I think what I want to say first and foremost is that no graduate of the PA program would not understand or have gone through the similar thoughts that you know you're probably having we all at one point yeah. or another probably contemplated, you know, is it even worth it? If we drop out now, it's probably for the best, but it is doable. There are many, 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 many graduates of the PA program who have done it, who have suffered, who probably have failed exams and courseworks and nationals and everything. So you're not alone. If you've gotten this far, obviously you're clearly good enough and someone saw a potential in you um hence why you were accepted onto the program in the first place so i think just really looking after i mean i don't suffer from any mental health issues however looking after your mental health mm. should be number one priority number one and i think that's yeah. the main thing yeah. that got me through the program because they say things like you shouldn't get pregnant during the course you shouldn't get married you know say bye-bye to your oh, social wow. life yeah i mean it's a uh, very wow. it's, it's it's scary but essentially at the end of the day you have to look after yourself and you don't have to revise yeah. every day that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get 100 percent mm. in your exam um you know if you need to take time off you need to go out do it um i don't know i think mental health looking after that is we're all i think we're all one situation away from a mental health mm. crisis or something i agree and it's important to look after yourself mm. um there's no point killing yourself over kind of you know trying to get that first centile and kind of running yourself out and i think they said like burnout is real it exists and a lot of reasons why burnout kind of kicks in mm. once you do clinical medicine and the pressures do pile up it's you've been burning yourself out from university it's just mm you haven't hit that trigger point or you haven't hit the thing exactly. which kind of breaks the camel's back. So it's, I agree with you, yeah. you know, look after yourself, take time off, take, you know, and at the end of the day, it's not about topping the, the centiles. I'm saying that because obviously I'm, I'm on the bottom of that <laughs> centile right thing. So, <laughs> and that, but, but I can say, you know, Hanoha, I enjoyed my university experience. I didn't do as That's well about, as, you know, though. Arms and everyone yeah. else, but, do you know what I mean? We end up in the same exactly, place, more or less. Exactly. but I enjoyed it, and I and I urge people, right, Nili, tell them to kind of enjoy yourself. <laughs> it's no point beating yourself up about it. I, I it's not fair. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. Um, how do people reach out to Nili? Where can they get in touch if they've got questions about PA? If they want some practice with interviews, they want a bit more 
advice on a kind of one-to-one basis how do they get hold of you Nili? so um if they send me a direct message on instagram on a physician associate i also have on my profile a little email me button so if they would like to send me an email for any questions things like that i'm always open and ready to answer them so yeah perfect that's awesome. good. We'll leave the the links for those in the description below. So anyone that is interested, I'm sure there will be a few can reach out to Needy. She's super helpful. I definitely recommend checking out her page just to get an insight into the role of PA, what they do on a day-to-day basis um, and kind of understanding. And you're doing a great job in raising awareness. So it's really good. And I commend you to you for doing what you're doing. Thank because you. To kind of get to a stage you are, you do have to be consistent with the page. Um, Absolutely. So keep doing what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to Thank seeing you. even more amazing things thank you thanks for having me guys have a lovely evening